I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London, albeit bitterly cold. cold. Uh, but tell you what, gray skies, in fact, dark, nasty skies over Turin, over Juventus. Yeah. We're going to be getting into that. We'll be talking Real Madrid. Of course, getting the win. Nice goal by... Kareem the Dream. There you go. That way you won't have to say that again in quick hits. I will. Trust um, me, I still will. <laughs> but there's one place to start because it's Arsenal against Manchester United. And this is George, this is another one of those games. So you you look at the sketch. You say, all right, Arsenal have this lead. Yeah. Where can they drop points? Yeah. And I thought against an inform United side that that had won nine in a row before you know drawing that game against uh, Palace, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, but even then, they played well in that game. And I thought this is this is a hurdle. And they overcame this hurdle as well, winning 3-2. That goal um, at the end coming in injury time. But I thought on the balance of play, Arsenal deserved all three points. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, the stats and the, the numbers, I think back, back that up, they, they touched the board 63 times in the United box. 63, which is more than any other team. In, 25 shots on goal. 20 shots on goal, 3.2 XG. Yeah, yeah 3.2, which is the highest again all season. But no, nobody has ever touched the ball in the Premier League this season 63 times in the opposition's box. Not even City. That's because City probably didn't want to, but go ahead. But, but you know, and, and United, on the other hand, only 12 times they touched the ball in Arsenal's box. And, and you don't have to, to touch the ball a lot in your opposition's box to score goals but it helps and it shows the dominations and the dominance of your team and I think they were fantastic I thought United fought hard and, and were hard to play against but without Casemiro it's not it's not the same United team this is a team that relies purely or certainly on Sunday relied only on Marcus Rashford and his own talent Anthony is useless in a game like this useless he only plays backwards and sideways Veghorst not really sure what he does and, what and he Bruno, does, he's a pressing machine okay. on a team that doesn't press very yeah. much or very well. And then when Bruno, when Bruno only has Rashford as a as an outcome when he has the ball, then he's he's very limited. So I I, I just thought Arsenal, I thought United were there for the taking. And yeah, Ten Hag can say, oh, but we conceded three goals, we made three mistakes. Every goal comes from a mistake from the opposition, always. And, you know, it's, it's it's very rare that it doesn't come from a mistake from the opposition. The two goals that United scored came from mistakes from Arsenal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Okay, so obviously the Rashford one, they lose the ball, but it's still Rashford shooting from... I know, but I, the I, mistake I is the party. Party is a terrible pass. That's fine. That's, a, it, that's the mistake In normal here. circumstances, you don't expect somebody to score from there. No, that's okay, that's maybe, all I'm saying. It comes from a mistake, no. like the three goals that Arsenal yeah. scored had mistakes in them from United. I, I think a more relevant one is it's going to be a low XG shot like Rashford's one was, which, you know, mm. the ball could have gone anywhere. Obviously, he's in fine form. So, uh, I mean, yeah, he's 99. in ridiculous form. 99 after the World Cup. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, just 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 on United for a minute, um, obviously, Casemiro missing is a huge blow because, yeah. like, when I was watching on television here, they said, oh, but, you know, Casemiro gives you that. He doesn't just defend, but he gives you that that composure and whatever. And he's an excellent passer of the ball. Now, obviously, the dude's Brazilian. He's a good passer of the ball. If you tell people in Madrid, he's an excellent passer of the ball. Yeah. They say, all right, go and meet Mr. Modric and Mr. Kroos. I did feel, though, that once you put McTominay in there, you are really sacrificing that side of it. And you're making yourself more vulnerable to the Arsenal press. Because McTominay... I. I'm not having a go at him, but he's not going to play through the press. No, the way Ericsson will. was the only one who could have done that. And Ericsson, I thought, also had an off day. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's not going to have a great game uh, every time. Um, now, the thing about Arsenal, I want to touch upon this too, because they've been active in, in the transfer window yeah. as well. They're, they're kind of doubling down on this. Um, two signings in the last week for a team that's top of the table with a big lead. Um, Kivior from, from Spezia and Leandro Trossard. Uh Trossard, what did you make of the fee on that? I mean, I know six months left on his contract. You pay, I think, up to twenty-five million with the with the bonuses for a twenty-eight-year-old player. It's a lot of money. It is. It's it a is. lot of money. It is. The amortization guards don't like that. No, no, that's true. That's true. I think you were in a position where you had to strengthen. Time was running out. He's a really, he's a good player, as we saw. He's not at the level of Mudrik, but he's still a good player, Premier League proven. So I guess you. You just allow that one. It's not. I, I don't think it's the kind of deal that they like making. But you had to make that one. Kivior, on the other hand, you're very high on. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw him at the World Cup with Poland. Uh, we saw him with Spezia, who, for me, one of the best centre-backs who can play defensive midfielder, can play left-back as well. Left-footed, which I think is what Arsenal wanted as a cover or competition for Gabriel. Great diagonals with his left foot. His, his distribution is really good. So I think he's smart signing for it, a 22-year-old. I, I think he's also a very athletic yeah, defender, which you don't expect necessarily from from a guy who's also quite comfortable on the ball. Mm, that's true. Um, he kind of has the whole package. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, maybe the question mark about him is, even when Spezia signed him, did, did he uncover a gem? Did nobody realize that you know he was going to be quite like this? Did he develop? Uh, we'll see. But I, I think they definitely could have used uh, some cover yeah. uh, at the back, and and they got it. Let's start with, with the transfer angle. I mean, again... For me, wearing my financial probity hat, yeah, this is a lot of money for for, for Trossard. Yeah, but again, I hear you. If it wins you the title, um, I think it makes a difference because you know we talk about covering alternatives. Arsenal, with the exception of Gabriel Jesus, have been extremely fortunate with injuries this season. I mean, Partey's missed a bit of time. I think apart from that, I'm right in saying nobody's been out for for an extended. Yeah, period, no, no, Zinchenko right? a little bit, but yeah. Um, does this send a? If I'm Smith Rowe. How do I kind of feel about this, though? Because I wonder if Arteta sees Smithrow more as a as an Udegaard, yeah, or or Chaka on the other side. I think he's probably even better on the half space on the left half space than the right one where Udegaard is more maybe than the winger. But the good thing is you can you can put him as a winger. You can put him instead of Saka, for example, if Saka has enough there, or to re- you know you replace Saka by him from the start for you know for some games. You can have Trossard on the other side. I think now you what you need is a is a bench really. I mean, no offense to Trossard, who's you know he's a really good player, but you need you need more depth in your squad, whether they're starters or on the bench. Yeah, which is what Trossard prov- yeah, provides. Trossard. So I know you paid the twenty five million for that. And maybe it is a bit too much for 20, for someone who, ju- who turned twenty eight this year, maybe. But um, no. but I think you take it and give your similar defensively, and then you got Smith Rowe coming back from a long injury. He's almost like a new signing as well. If he gets no, you sound like Arsene Wenger, when no, you it's say true, almost it's like true. a new signing. But all that, I understand what you're saying. Uh, give your like I said, totally makes sense. Yeah. I do wonder, have they given up on? Having an attacking right back, do they feel that with Zinchenko or or Tierney when, when Tierney plays, they're not going to be having because then they're just going to continue with White and Tomiyasu. No, I think I think they like uh, Fresneda from Real Valladolid, uh, who is even Fresneda, who's young, who's very good, one of the best right backs in La Liga this season. I think there's a few clubs both in Spain and in England looking at him. Uh, it's one of those. The thing is, you've just spent fifty million on White. Who can be a centre back and this kind of Saliba right. competition backup? So you'll have Gabriel Kivio, Saliba White, and then another twenty million, a bit less on Tomiyasu. If you go and spend another twenty million on on Fresneda, then then I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how that could work. That it could work though. But yeah, I, I think midfield is the one where now they're looking at Potentially, I mean, they were talked about Kamavinga. I can tell you that there's no link with Kamavinga at all, and Kamavinga is not going to leave Real Madrid. But I think it's maybe where they're thinking. And it's more in the defensive midfield yeah. piece, right? So yeah. you're looking ahead, an alternative. You know, you've got Sambi Lokonga there. There's Omeni, yeah. but but for Chakamani's not getting for example, maybe right. someone like that, left-footed. Uh, I want to ask though about. I'm um, thinking back to, to to the Mudrik signing, right? Well, obviously they missed out on that, and presumably if they'd signed Mudrik, they would not have signed Trossard. Yeah. But if you bring in Mudrik. If, if I'm Martinelli or Saka, I mean, Saka's had a tremendous season, yeah. scored a ridiculous goal yeah, yeah, as well yeah. last night. Um, how did, and there, if I'm Martinelli and you're like, you guys are trying to sign Mudrik, what does that mean for me? I mean, I. Because it's, Trussard's it's a, a different question. profile, right? Because Trussard tells me, okay, so you have a veteran guy who can play, he can play up front in a pinch, he can yeah. play wide, whatever. But if you bring in Mudrik and I'm Martinelli and I'm like, dude, we're like roughly the same age, right? Yeah. I'm a starter. I'm a starter on the team that's with me since I came back from my injury. We've gone from strength to strength or yeah. top of the table. I now you go and break the bank on Mudrik. What does it mean? Or were they looking at that also to get a bit of leverage maybe or, or a, a plan B over Saka? Because as you reminded me during the break, 
Saka has not yet extended his contract. No, he hasn't yet. And they're still hoping that he will commit his future to the club. And right now you see how happy he is on the pitch. You see the result. You don't really see why he wouldn't. But, it's, you know, he would make his... He would decide and, and make his choice. It's a good, it's a good debate to have on Martinelli. But then, did, how did Foden feel when City signed Grealish for 100 million? But this is what happens in big clubs. I think this is why you need competition. You need strength and and numbers and bodies and squad. No, depth. no, I, 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 so I agree with you. Right? You take him. You say, okay, well, we're going to fight for a place. It's about resource allocation. Yeah, but it's just at that point, though. If I'm Martinelli, I'm thinking, wait a minute, Gabriel Jesus is injured. We have this guy, Eddie Nketiah, who, you know, before those two goals yesterday, yeah, he works hard and stuff, makes the same kind of runs. He's not a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. If we want to win, we're, why aren't they spending this money on a center forward? Yeah, right? yeah no, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It's a fair point. You know, I, 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 just something I, I thought was, I'm not saying this to be critical. No, it's no, an no, 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 no. They've been proven right. Everything's gone right for them yeah, this yeah, season. Yeah. So I'm just going to hold my hands up uh, on that one. Uh, moving to United, um, like I said, I thought, this game was a lot more one-sided than the score than the score suggests. And yeah, I, think I agree. We gave you numbers and stuff. Does it mean that the progress under Ten Hag was somehow less real? Or is it just that they paid a price for Casemiro not being there yeah, I think and so. for individual mistakes and I think Ericsson having a rare off day? Well, yeah, I think, I think the progress has been very good, but Casemiro was, was a key part in that progress massive massive parts and when he's not there you see against the best team in the league you know so yeah. you didn't you didn't play badly against the team that was 15th in the table for example and we said oh, okay maybe we saw them uh, better than what they actually are this this was away from home but this is not where I struggled to be yesterday okay Veghorst talking about transfers is supposed to be a short-term fix so someone who needs to improve your team because it's such a short term, you know, you're not going to say, "Oh, Vecos, we can give him six months to adapt, and then." Right. So what's the point? Like, what? He's not bringing anything in that game. Not really so much in the Palace game either. I'm like, okay. Well, what? I think the issue though there is there's no Martial. So yeah, yeah, you, you had to play him. If you don't play him, you play Rashford through the middle, where I think he's less productive. Yeah, than yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but so I think I think there's a few reasons why United didn't have a really good like. A, a good game. I still don't. We can't take away the progress that they've made in the Ten Hag. It's just that Arsenal showed their weaknesses and showed that when Casemiro is not there, you rely pretty much all the time on Rashford's talent, which is amazing. I mean, he scored one goal. If there's not that amazing set from Ramsey in the second half, there's another another goal that he scores on his own. Literally, you give him the ball and then he scores on his own. It's, it's, it's incredible form. Um, two guys who get scapegoated a lot for, or one guy gets scapegoated a ton for United. And okay. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, we know he's not very good on the ball. He's known more for his defending. And I'm going to blame him for the Inketia header, quite obviously. Yeah, he completely yeah. loses him. Um, and this is supposed to be what he does. He's supposed to be this great man marker, or he's supposed to be better at that part than the other part of the game. I also wanted to, went a little over the top, though. I, I'm just watching on, I, I was watching Match of the Day on, on television, right? They say, well, look, he gives away the ball for, I guess it was the... The third goal, I think. The yeah. third goal, right? And so they show him, yeah, okay, he gets pressed, you know, good pressing action. He loses the ball. Yeah. And then they have to, like, fast forward the play, yeah, like, three minutes. After. But I I, I, it felt like a lot. I'm like, all right, dude, like, you tell the guy to play out from the back. Yeah, he's I mean, not a you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why don't we just burn him at the stake? Like, he's a witch or something. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I thought he did okay in those games. Playing there's a in great the right. tackle on. What? There's a great tackle on. He did, yeah. Martinelli or Chaka, but I think, in the second half. Like, he's amazing not, tackle. He's not suited necessarily for the type of football that, that Ten Hag's playing right now. No, that's for but, sure. But um, you know, in the end, but you see, I've got more issues on Ericsson, for example. Ericsson is a very, he's a very good player. He's a very experienced player. Even if he doesn't like def- defending per se, like as a proper defender, right. the way Saka does him on the goal, on the second, the Arsenal second goal. When you're Ericsson and your brain is, you such, you've got such a high, high IQ, IQ like football brain, and you know Saka is not purely left-footed because he can, but you know that just don't let him do anything on his left foot, and then on the right you can deal with it easily. And yet you let him come inside like that and shoot twice. 
in the space of 10 minutes. I'm like, come on, Ericsson. I, I, I put that up to a brain fart in a bad game. That, that, that really, I, I know exactly the incident you mean, and I don't think, uh, I don't think that was any good. Uh, a word on Lisandro Martinez as well. I was just struck by that goal that he scored, which, by the way, we're talking about errors and stuff. I mean, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. goalkeeping error, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> where he gets so low to hit it, and it takes like a weird trajectory. <laughs> um, I, I was just, I don't know how many players would choose to go and head that ball as opposed to somehow, you know, try to finish, try to place it, or maybe just, 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 just smash it, hoping yeah. for a. I, I, just, I, like, I mean, I know I'm critical of Technically, of it's not time. easy to do, for sure. Yeah. But it's not easy to do. No. It's scary to do, too, because you're going so low. If somebody's boot comes to clear it, that's your head that goes off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just love that about him. But now, maybe, what I don't maybe like is other things about him, but, you know. Maybe it's hard. So Odegaard is literally next to him. And I think if maybe he takes a touch... Or maybe if he waits for the ball to come down a little bit more to hit it with his foot or something, then maybe Odegaard can come. I think it's very hard for Odegaard to defend because he goes with his head. Harder to defend if he maybe was taking a touch or waiting for the ball to come a little bit lower to, to volley or something. Right, but if Odegaard decides to try to hook the ball yeah, away, true. He then him. he decapitates yeah, him. Yeah, he kills so, him. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, Lissan, Lissan got scotched over. What did you feel at when, when that goal goes in very much against the run of play? 100%. At 2-2, did you think... Okay, now they're going to be under pressure, United, or did you think, okay, they, they might salvage a point somehow in a game that they've been under pressure a lot, despite taking the lead? Or did you think it was inevitable at some point that Arsenal were going to put so much pressure and pressure and pressure that United might crack? Which is what Shaw said. Shaw said, we, you know, the second half, they controlled the whole second half. And in the way, we deserve to concede that third goal. Yeah, Ten Hag said something different. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, like they're under pressure because they've been together for for a long time, and mm. this is this is a well drilled team, which which United are not right now because they're not going to have the chemistry because so many of these players are new because some of these players aren't that good because they have injuries they have they have people missing they're just not in a position where they I think they can compete in footballing terms they can compete yeah. in guts and and and, and moments of magic yeah, and whatever for but, each other which they do to be which, fair they, they which, do. which is how they did it i mean mm. they, they can compete in footballing terms against lesser teams but i think not against this arsenal side so yeah. and look i mean you can say oh it was a close run game blah 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 but it really wasn't no, it when wasn't, yeah. the two goals come come in those circumstances yeah we're driven by the search for better But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right, enough gooners. Let's talk about Juventus and Ooh. Atalanta. Difficult times, not just the the 3-3 home nope. draw, which I think left them a little bit recriminating. Um, that was last time. We're going to get into that later. But I want to talk about uh, the big news that hit them um, on Friday, yep. like a pile of bricks, uh, which was, if you remember, over uh, some of these... What we call Italian plus valenze, artificial plus valenze. So, in other words, uh, swaps that that are made to kind of inflate transfer values for for accounting purposes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the case was reopened because there's a parallel criminal investigation uh, in in Turin, which uncovered new evidence. Uh, the prosecutor wanted a nine point penalty, and so they got a fifteen point penalty. Yeah. Drops them from third place way down into mid-table. 
Jules, this is big. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, they can still appeal. I think they've got 30 days, isn't it? Um, to They have 30 days from the time they get the written reasons. They should be getting the written reasons, I think, by the end of this week, possibly early yeah. next week. And then go to the... Uh, to the Olympic Committee. It goes uh, to the Olympic, Olympic Committee. Committee. And then and they can either drop it completely or keep it. They can't reduce it. They can't it. reduce it. Yeah. Right. They can't go into the merit. They can just look into the technical yeah. aspects. Um, and this is important, incidentally, because, again, <laughs> this is a complicated story. I have a Q&A up on, uh, on the site. But the bulk of the punishment from UVIC comes from violating Article 4 of the Italian FA's code, which they have to abide by which basically calls for high moral standard and ethical behavior. Mm. So it's not that they say this kind of player trading is illegal, um, because it isn't, uh, although, you know, it can be dubious sometimes. It's that the prosecution contend you violated this article about yeah. integrity because you turned it into something systematic and you knew it was wrong. I mean, and there are wiretaps and there are handwritten notes that seem to suggest this, where, you know, where they say things like, oh, wow, that was really, really crappy, except they used the S word, yeah. uh, what we did, or let's hope nobody finds out, or, yeah, you know, yeah, it's that yeah. kind of thing. And it's stuff that would have never come to light had it not been for the criminal investigation, because obviously the football investigators don't have the power yeah. to go and... Uh, um, to go and make those, uh, to go and subpoena people, to go and raid offices and, and to go and tap phones. You know, the issue I have, and we come back to Juventus, but quickly, is that there are other clubs and other people involved in, who were involved in the investigation who got nothing. Literally, they were just like cleared, uh, including big clubs. And it, it felt like suddenly when I saw it, and you know more than, than me and more than us, it felt like basically Juve were, Scapegoated. Yeah. yeah. And paid for everybody else, which I don't know if it's true or not. And maybe so, the others are going to be caught at some point. So I think there's a number of, of Juve fans who, who feel that their club has, has been singled out. Again, we don't know the written reasons. They will come out later. What I think emerges, though, from, from the hearing itself, and there were people who were present who related what went on, um, is that first of all, the prosecutor wanted to punish. Remember, there were nine clubs who yeah. were involved in this proceeding. They wanted to punish all nine. The other eight were all like uh, were all not punished. And that is, and this is a bit of the issue here, that is that with the other eight clubs, you don't have material evidence that this was part of a systematic yeah. approach to to engage in this kind of false accounting. Mm. Um, and the reason you don't have it is that their offices weren't raided as part of a criminal investigation. Yeah, the yeah. criminal investigation is to do with something else, to do with the fact that Juventus are listed on the stock exchange and, of course, the, the, that whole business with the, um, with the deferred payments for the pay cuts they took during COVID and whatever else. Um, <clears throat> now, the evidence that they gathered uh, does involve other clubs, or, or clubs who have not yet been named. I, I'm being a little careful. I'm not going to say who those clubs are. You might have seen them out there because there are legal implications to yeah. this. But th their names have been published in papers anyway. Um, those other clubs could yet be charged. So because you're right. I mean, yeah. when you do this, both of you are intentionally inflating something for some reason. Um, that's certainly the accusation. And I want to point something else out for people who don't seem to understand this. When you do operations like this, you get a short-term benefit. Because you've made an accounting profit or you're closer yes, to breaking even. Yes, I think even, for right? Pjanic it was 50, 43 million, which is the second I, highest in club history. I, something mad like that, yeah. right? But it's not like you, it's not like you, you're, you're, you're like printing fake money. It's not like Casa de Papel where you're printing fake money in the basement. <laughs> yeah. right? That money, you then take a hit of it in subsequent years. So effectively, you are spreading the cost of an application. So, so yeah. the, the Pjanic Arthur deal, which is obviously the, the, one of the most obvious examples, they still got to pay for. They still have to account for Arthur. It's just that they're doing it over more years. So yeah. you're effectively pushing uh, an issue, a liability, down the road in subsequent years, where it becomes problematic and illegal, especially in Uvis cases. You have a duty to the tax authorities to 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 be as fair as you can, but in this case, to their shareholders as well, because yeah. you know these are supposedly assets, and if you've inflated their value, you're misstating your accounts. A question that I had when I. So on Friday, uh, um, the breaking news was why, why, why now? Why did they, for example, for the 15 points deducted, why doesn't it apply next season? Why right through halfway the season, this is for now? So 
Uh, I think that's a good question. So a couple things to say here. I mean, first of all, I think it would be worse for Juventus if it applied for next season because you can imagine in terms of attracting players in the transfer yeah, market, enough, future yeah. revenue, uh, and whatever. Here you just take the hit right straight away. Um, I think it is customary in these situations. And by the way, the penalty applies straight away, but they're going to get those 15 points back if they can get it overturned yeah. uh, at the hearing with the IOC. Or they have a level, they, there's another level that they can appeal to. Obviously, that's a court of arbitration of sport, which would be kind of the appeal of, 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 of last resort yeah. to try to get it overturned. And I think all this will go pretty quickly and obviously needs to happen probably before June, right? Mm. Um, but it is customary that the point deductions happen straight away because the idea is these are for crimes or misdeeds that happened before so it's it's happened before that you know a few last time it happened i think was padma 24 15 they, they weren't paying players and were missing payments and they ended up being fined a total of seven points but it was like two points one week another point the next week <laughs> and so on and it was in season yeah so i don't think that part is uh is that unusual? Um, another point people have made up is, oh, you know, why are they, this isn't illegal, why are Juve being, um, you know, the whole basis of this, it's an accounting thing, nobody's ever been punished before. Well, that's not true. Kievo in yeah, 2021, Kievo, yeah. of course, famously for doing pretty much the same thing, right? Inflating transfer values to make their books look better so that they could, uh, they could enroll themselves in the league. And another question people may have is, if you're not doing this to generate money, to generate real money, you're not benefiting from it, what's the harm? What's, what's the crime here? Well, the, the harm with doing this is if you're misstating these accounts, you have to have a certain amount of, of equity in your club or, or a certain amount of, of value in your clubs to be able to register for the upcoming season. Yeah. You have to meet certain financial requirements. Otherwise, your ownership has to go and inject equity in the club to make up for it. So this is a very obvious way to do it. Yeah. Um, and it's an obvious way to meet financial fair play requirements as well, which is why, as you know, UEFA have opened an investigation. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because he's been a crazy last few years, really, for Juve. Since the, the title and the salary, which was the last title, after that... The decision that they made, all the money that they lost through the pandemic and, you know, etc. And now this, on top of the, the bad results, or average results, let's put it that way, there's the financial fair play UFI investigation, yeah. there's the, those payments that they deferred to the players right. during, which is also under investigation. So there could be even more trouble. Come yeah. So the UEFA, UEFA basically has said, all right, well, if you've been, it's almost like automatic, right? You're under investigation. There's a criminal inquiry against you yeah. for misstating accounts. We rely on your accounts to allow you to play. Yeah. So you have the requirement to play in the, in, in the, in the Champions League. If you falsified those accounts, you shouldn't have played and you shouldn't have had that money. So we need to penalize you. That's essentially yeah. UEFA standpoint. They're going to go and they're going to, they're going to verify this. And I think there are definite, there's definite risk you there. Think? Well, if the sentence stands that they misstated their accounts and those are the accounts that they submitted to UEFA, at the very least, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a fine, possibly an exclusion, uh, yeah. I, as I see it, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if, if all this stuff stands. Uh, and I think the criminal investigation will probably have more weight there because in the end, with a criminal investigation, it's pretty open and shut. Yeah. What would really scare me is the business that they did with, and we've talked about this before, with the deferred payments to the players, where they told the stock exchange and they told their shareholders, oh, look, the players took a pay cut of, uh, of, of four months, yeah. I think it was, when in reality, it was really one month and they were likely going to make that money back through bonuses um, the following season. Yeah. One of the guys who, by the way, didn't sign this agreement, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo, which is why they're, they're trying to subpoena him to see if he's willing to answer. I think he's in Saudi Arabia. I don't think he's staying <laughs> no. And by the way, Make this very clear. Cristiano Ronaldo has done nothing wrong yeah. in this one. In fact, if anything, he's stuck to the rules. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, but obviously, they owe him money as well. Uh, so that's the difficult one because you have a do you have an obligation towards your shareholders, and you can say, oh, but the main shareholder is Exor, which is controlled by the which is this international holding company. They also own parts of of they own, they own commercial real estate. They own a big chunk of the Economist yeah. as well, uh, and obviously they have shares in Fiat. It's true they're the Agnelli family, but there's also 37% of the shareholders uh, of Juventus who are not part of Exor. 
Yeah. And these are people who invested in it. These are pension funds. And, you know, I have my money with Vanguard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so technically, I could be a Juve investor too, right? If you misstate the accounts, that's a really, really serious, yeah. serious condition, which is why the whole board changed. Um, and that could get, land them into serious trouble, I think, with, with UEFA. And in terms of football, so this game was coming. So they had the thrashing against Napoli yeah. uh, the weekend before. Then they won in the Coppa d'Italia against Monza in midweek. But that, then Friday, those, that punishment. And then that big game against Atalanta on Sunday last night, where I thought they reacted because they, you know, they went one nil down, they came back. Then they went behind again. They came back. Yeah. I think Allegri was happy with the reaction of the players. In considering the, the difficult circumstances, yeah, no, I, I think on the pitch there were a lot of positives. People were like, "Oh, how's this going to affect the players?" I don't think, it's, I don't think the players are—you know—they're talking about it. Yeah. But the players want to go out and they want to control what they can control, which is on the pitch. Yeah, I thought you saw a great reaction. Uh, Di Maria, who has been critical of the past, mm-hmm. played really well. Yeah. Fajoli, I don't think there's any question that Fajoli and Miretti are you his future yeah, yeah, at yeah, this stage. They both did really well. Uh, your boy, Arik Milik, scored a fantastic uh, fantastic finish. 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 Uh, in the end, they had to settle for a point. I thought maybe they, they might have deserved a little bit more. Interesting reaction, though, from the Juvisphere, you know, the Juve fans. So on social media, you get a ton of, uh, oh, they, uh, you know, oh, we're being scapegoated, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're super negative mm. about it. But... And I think they've been quieter. There's also a big chunk of Viva fans who frankly say, why is it always us? What, why, what is the issue here? Yeah. How could we have lied to our own shareholders? How could we have misstated these accounts? Why, why did this go on for so long? Um, and then on top of that, there's also... Uh, there's also uh, the the Juve the Ultras, and to be fair to them, Juve Ultras have had a very difficult relationship because with the club, because the, the club have tried to kind of remove them. Some of they say some of them are represent a criminal element. Yeah. Others say, they say, no, no, we're bad for business because we just make noise. And they came out the two of the main Ultras groups, the Drugi and and the Viking, they came out with a really really harsh um, statement where. Essentially, they said this is worse than Calciopoli in 2006 because 2006, we were picked on. We were actually innocent. A lot of Juve fans believe that. Mm. This time, this freaking wiretap saying that yeah. we're doing something illegal and we know we're doing it. Yeah. And they really blame Andrea Agnelli um, and the board for allowing this to happen on his watch. So there is a pretty nasty backlash from them as well. Yeah. I don't know. I think... A lot of people realize that you can't build a castle on sand. And this also explains the Super League. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, if UEFA win the Super League case, uh, it opens a door for them sanctioning Juventus, Barcelona, <laughs> right, yeah. further for their part. Because that's so, essentially yeah, more is, trouble coming Exactly. Out. More financial yeah. woe. Um, and there's a lot of people. Now, uh, some of these are, are saying, like, they just want to say, like, why can't we be, why can't we be normal? Yeah, why can't no, we be like yeah. a normal club? Yeah, why, yeah. why can't we, you know... Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I think opinion is definitely divided there. What we do know is the new board are going to fight these charges. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so they should. Yeah. I think they do. They're going to fight these charges based on the fact that they were found innocent the first time around. Um, and they're going to try to undo this whole thing. Yeah, that was the second trial. That was the yeah. second trial. They reopened yeah. it based yeah. on the new evidence. They're going to say, well, you know, systematic. What, what does this mean? Um and they're going to try to do it on the fact that, you know, we need to... Uh, they, they might hang on to some technical points as well, which is sort of the time frame in which uh, the new tri- the, the, the appeal was lodged and the new trial came up. Although, again, in terms of PR, if you do get off on a technicality, it doesn't do you much good. No, definitely um, not. Actually, we should say that Agnelli got... I think banned for 20, 24 months. Yes, yeah, Agnelli got a well. two-year ban. Yeah, Cherubini uh, and Paratici, which we mentioned a bit later on the show. Yeah, Fabio well. Paratici, getting, uh, who's now at Spurs, obviously yeah. got a two-and-a-half-year thing. Um, a ban. Uh, interestingly enough, their chief football officer now, uh, especially with Cherubini banned, yeah. is uh, Francesco Calvo, who he many years ago, he was, I think he was one of Agnelli's closest friends. He was at the club for, for a number of years. I think he was chief revenue officer at the club. And then he left. He was he worked at Barcelona. He worked at Roma. He came back, I think, a year ago. And then he uh, and, and now obviously he's in charge of the football yeah. operation. 
Um, interesting stories about Francesco Cosmo and his relationship with Andrea Agnelli, but I'll leave you guys to do some Googling <laughs> on that one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, enough, Juve. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Real Madrid get three points away to Athletic Bilbao thanks to two superb goals, one early, one late. Yeah. Uh, but not much else in terms of performance. Jules, remind me who broke the ice for Real Madrid? Kareem the Dream. What a goal as well. Left left foot volley on the turn, if you want. Superb, really superb finish. I like Tony Kroos' goal better. I thought that was more difficult. That's kind of the mm, pass it into the yeah, net. all sure off balance. That. I'm not sure about that. But I think what was interesting is Carlo warned this superstar. He was saying, hey, nobody's untouchable here. Or maybe Kareem. But... And he dropped, I mean dropped. Modric was on the bench. Again, Cruz was on the bench as well. And he started with the Ceballos, Valverde and Camavinga in the holding role. Midfield three, if you want, which to a certain extent worked. Although they were under pressure. They, they had were to def- battered. They had to do a lot of defending. And big Athletic, Courtois saves. Yeah. Athletic club, I think, could, could, could feel a little bit, maybe like, you know, they, they, they could have had better, could have done better in that game. But for Real Madrid, it was Going back to winning again in the league, especially after the, the um, Copa del Rey win against Villarreal in a, that crazy scenario. So well done to them, but there's still a lot of work to be done here. Liverpool and Chelsea battle out to a drab, scoreless draw. Gab, was it just fear of losing? And how about Mudrik's debut? That was pretty okay. special. Yeah, so I'm glad we got to see Mudrik stay yeah, because too. that live ended up so, the game. Fair. I didn't think he would come on. I didn't think he was maybe much fit enough. Yeah, I don't know what's up with him. I he he and came on November, man. He, he was Neymar esque, right down wow, to the, yeah. <laughs> right down to the neck tattoo. Um, he was exciting. Other than that, I mean, obviously Chelsea have a billion injuries. Liverpool have a billion yeah. injuries. I, and I think it was a classic game. Like, I'm not saying they played for the draw, but you could see there was just a lot of fear. Cody Gakpo very tentative. Salah mm. unrecognizable right now. Yeah. That's just on the Liverpool end. Um, this is a classic game where losing hurts you a lot more than winning benefits you. And so, yeah. you know, you end up with this result, which in the end, I guess, you know, means we don't talk about Liverpool and Chelsea in crisis. Yeah, for, for almost the, the Havertz goal that was disallowed for the tiny offside early on. It would have changed had, the game. Yeah, had that stood, I think maybe it would have opened up. But after that, it was just like... Uh-oh. Sticking with Chelsea Jules, they have reportedly made a fifty-five million pound bid for Moises Caicedo, which Brighton has turned down. Yeah. Although our boy Roberto de Zerbi says Caicedo may not be around after the window closes. Yeah, I think he maybe knows that they're going to come back with an improved offer. Chelsea need desperately a midfielder. We said that's maybe where they need to strengthen the most, really. And Badiashil now, Modric have arrived. Uh, for Fana as well, of course. Uh, and so, you know, go and get a midfielder that would ch- maybe change something they tried Enzo as we know didn't work out I think Caicedo would be great for them but again on his own I'm not really sure how much he would change completely the dynamic of that team does he have enough of a resume to justify this kind of spending I mean I know that yeah it's a lot of money it's a lot of money obviously Conte Jorginho are in expiring contracts yeah. and whatever else and you have to bring him I, I just don't know that he's been here long enough to say, you know, I mean, Yves Bissouma looked fantastic for a while too, right? Yeah, true. I mean, Cucurella uh, as well. Cucurella is yeah. another one. Um, but obviously the difference here, Graham Potter worked with him. Yeah, um, well. You know, in the summer and start of the season. So, but but still. Yeah, there's a week to go. I mean, just, yeah, just over a week to go. Napoli win at Salernitana in the derby 2-0. Now up to 50 points, Gav. In, in one half this season, at the halfway point of the season, they're on pace for 100 points. That's right. Two times 50 equals 100. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. That would be the second highest points total ever. Uh, Juventus under, under Antonio Conte. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't going to be under Allegri. Uh, we got 102 points back. I think it was 2013-14. Um, 
No fuss, no muss. It was a derby, so they thought under pressure. They were G'd up because WWE Call Out was, he was sacked. And said, oh, no, I changed my mind. No, okay, <laughs> stick around. Uh, but yeah, you got to go from Giovanni Di Lorenzo and. He's first of the season in the league. It's first of the season. Yeah. The score, Manning's right back. Yeah. And who scored the other one? Victor Seaman. Uh, because, because the best is yet to come. It's a hat trick for Erling Holland as City destroy Wolves three nail jewels. Is this the best way for City to react after being booed at halftime by their own fans uh, against Spurs? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I thought they started slowly, although Holland has that chance, you know, after like 15 minutes or 18 minutes. Uh, and then he starts scoring from the, the, the Bruyne cross and then he scores over the two halves, over the break. In 14 minutes, the hat-trick, his fourth hat-trick of the season, only one player in Premier League history has more than four in one season is Shearer in 95-96 who had six, who had five, sorry. But, I mean, he scored four hat-tricks in the league in 19 games. I think yeah. Von Nistelrooy had a record. He scored four in 65 matches or something crazy. Suarez was 81 <laughs> matches. The numbers are crazy. Wait, look, Just I- for you to have an idea before you go, he scored uh, now 25 goals yeah. in 19 games. Yeah. He Those 25 goals have come for, from 75 shots or 74 shots even. Right, Aguero scored his first 25 goals for City in 150 shots. This is just he's called uh, Haaland scored more goals with his left foot in the league this season than Wolf, than the whole Wolves squads have scored in the Premier League. I'll give you another one. It's January. Uh, he's got 25 goals in the last four years. A Golden Boot. Each was one with less than 25 yeah, goals. 23 and 22. I mean, it's, it's, crazy. it's 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 absolutely he's gonna, uh, mad he's gonna, going to he's going to catch Salah's record of thirty two and, and then he can go higher. Yeah. That said, though, by the way, uh, two of those three goals, but people say, "Oh, City don't create enough for him." Whatever. Two of those three goals, Jules. I'm maybe not now, but I like to think that, like you know, maybe six or seven years ago, I like to think you would have scored them because one yeah. was a penalty and yeah. the other one was the one the after Mahrez, the mistake yeah. where, you know, because of the pressure they put, he's there to finish it. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you would have been in position to finish it. I'm yeah, going to guess sure. you probably would not have scored the header because he's about oh, yeah. 10 inches taller than you. I'm, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And the, the chance that he had before, because he scored three from four shots. They had four <laughs> exactly. shots, Zayed, but like, incredible. It was a good save by... Uh, Sabre. Yeah, another incredible afternoon for Erling Haaland. Newcastle draw nil-nil with Crystal Palace away and they stay third. Gab, they haven't conceded a league goal since November 6. Tremendous. They've only conceded uh, 11 goals yeah. all season in the Premier League, 10 of them from open play. And, and three I against myself, City, by the way. So three <laughs> against City, yeah, I know. Which, you know City has its own category. Uh, I, I thought, like, oh, look, they're overperforming, you know, XG conceded. They are. It's about nine fewer than they yeah. would have otherwise. But guess what? Uh, even their XG conceded is still the third best in the league, marginally behind Arsenal and, uh, and City. And City so yeah. it's just a de- de- tremendous defensive job. Botman, Pope, uh, Shar, Byrne, all these guys. Three points for Barcelona, who be Getafe thanks to a Pedri goal to stay top of the table. But Jules, Xavi himself said this was not a good performance. Yeah. And was it just Marc-Andre Ter Stegen bailing them out? I mean, there's, there's one especially a magnificent save from him. What the, where I struggle with that Barca team, Gab, is that they're capable of doing so well against Real Madrid in the Clasico and then being really against Getafe at home, yeah. where like... You think like, why can't you have a bit of consistency in your performance? You know, at least they don't concede at home. Yeah, Tottenham play in a few hours against Fulham on Monday night, Gab. But what does the Juve case mean for Fabio Paratici and possibly for Antonio Conte? Well, for Fabio Paratici, it remains to be seen if the ban is is upheld uh, on appeal and if it's extended worldwide, and even if he's banned and it's not extended, do Spurs want to keep him? For Conte, negotiations goes on go on. His contract expires at the end of the season. Now, I've said this before. It's not like Conte is there because his buddy Paratici is there. Yeah, they work together, but Conte also left before. He's his own guy. He'll make up his own mind. Wild stuff at the Westfalen Stadium. Or, okay, sorry. Signali Duna Park. You, but you know you. what? I'm old school. I still you call it the Westfalen because I was there yes. for the 2006 Germany-Italy semifinal. And uh, I was very happy with the result that day. Yeah, I was at the uh, France-Portugal other semifinal. Uh, it was wild. I mean, they win 4-3. Gio Reyna delivers a stunner. What a Gregor. I mean, what, what more we say about Gio Reyna? Like, celebration, you know, like, uh, don't talk. And, yeah, and he puts his fingers in yeah, his ears. And well, what did he mean to say? Come on, you, you can psychoanalyze him. Well, yeah, it's just like, you know, 
great beholder maybe USMNT all that yeah. kind of maybe stuff his maybe his parents maybe his mum <laughs> maybe Danielle I don't know but like he came on uh, scored the winner in an incredible really incredible game that of course if you're I think Dortmund you would have liked to control a little yeah. bit more um, but, but you know what Joe seasons change years change yeah. popes come and go but what doesn't change is Borussia Dortmund Calm the absolute chaos yeah Three times you take the lead at home against against this ridiculous team. Augsburg have three. Augsburg I think had had three points in the previous eight games, and three times yeah. they're pegged back they're twice with I mean, Craven defensive error. Yeah, Schlotterbeck scores, <laughs> and 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 like gives away a goal. You think like how can a professional player in a team like that defend that way? The great news as well is that Sebastian Haller came on uh, to a standing ovation, of course, after you know the, uh, his testicular uh, cancer. And the team was 2-2 at the time, so he had a very positive influence in the win. So well done to him, well done to Dortmund, and well done to Joe Reyna as well. And meanwhile, Gab, staying with Dortmund, Yusufa Mukoko has put pen to paper over a new deal until 2026. Yeah, and even though I don't think it's been officially announced, I'm assuming that unless Mukoko's agent is kind of a fool, he either got a huge pay bump or he got a release clause in this because it's not a long-term. You would imagine so. I think all these things should be public personally. But yeah, yeah, no, it's good news. And you know what? Mukoko and Haller, you look at where they are in the table, you can say, oh, look, they're in sixth place. Yeah, but they're two points out of second place. Yeah. Um, I still think they yeah, have a lot fun. to play for the Champions League as yeah. well. You just need to stop it giving up the stupid goals. I know, man. I know. <laughs> Milan Skriniar has said yes Woo-hoo! to Paris Saint Germain. I'll take him. But uh, will he come in January or will it be in the summer? And how big a loss is this for Inter? I think it's a big loss for Inter. They've tried hard to give him a new deal, to, to convince him to sign a new deal. They've had many offers on the table that he rejected. I think there was a point where they were quite optimistic that he would, he would stay and extend. And in the end, it seemed that he's rejected the last offer and I said, like, this is it now and told PSG he was going to go there, I think, in the summer on a free, um, which... Probably means the end of the Sergio Ramos time in Paris, you would think. Maybe if, if you were in Pembe, you could worry a little bit. Um, but I think he's a, he's a really good centre back. I think he, he would bring a lot to PSG in terms of mentality, physicality, uh, can play in the back three or in the back four. I think on the free, and I mean, you know, there would be a signing on fee and et cetera and big wages probably, but I think it would be a really good. A signing for PSG. I don't think this is as disastrous for Inter as as, as people make it out to I be. I mean, the fact they, that they wanted hard to keep him shows that they... You know, well, they did, but they yeah. wanted to keep him at their number. Yeah, I true, mean, I think I am heartened by the fact that Inter actually maybe learned a little bit of something from, from Milan here and showed a little bit of, of discipline. Yeah. You know, we at your age, we can pay you this much. You want more than that? Au revoir. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a simple ass. Yeah, yeah, simple ass. It's not like he's 20 years old. He's a future of the club. No, true. He's a it's future. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, I, I. It's the Griezmann show as Atletico Madrid. Uh, beat Dan Valladolid 3-0. Happy times here again for El Cholo game. Of course. Three great things happened in this game, which would have brought a smile <laughs> to El Cholo. Number one, Morata scores. Uh, yeah. After fluffing a couple of chances. But still, Morata scores. And it's good when Morata scores because then people stop complaining about how the guy never scores. Number two, uh, Memphis Depay comes on, makes his debut, uh, gave the ball away a few times, and that's fine. You know, you can deal with that. I mean, if there's one thing Atletico don't have a problem with is winning the ball back. And number three, great goal from Griezmann. Tremendous assist. Come on, the, 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 the oh, little flick. flick. Oh, Amazing. Um, Amazing. Why not? One of Griezmann's best performances since he's come back from Barcelona. Everton lose away to West Ham 2-0 in a clash of embattled managers. As we record this, there are some yeah. outlets who, who report that Frank Lampard Jr. has Surely. been fired. Surely. He's been sacked. Surely. Uh, we, don't, we don't have confirmation of this yet. No. We don't know as, as we're taping this now. So I'm just going to ask you. Yeah. If you were Farhad Moshiri, uh, or if you were Alisher Uzmanov, yeah. who has nothing to do with the club, no, and of course, Farhad Moshiri is simply yeah, asking yeah, for advice, yeah, yeah, or if yeah. you were Bill Kenwright. Yes, he's still there. Who's still there, incredibly, after 18 years. Would you I would have replace Frank ago. Lampard? I would have sacked him a long time ago. Nothing against Frank Lampard Jr. I like him very much. We work together at BT Sport. I just don't think he's good enough. I don't think he was ever good enough. 
for what the club needs. I'm not saying he's the bad manager. I'm just saying for what the club, for what Everton needs right now, I just don't think he's the right guy. I don't think he's got the right mentality. Uh, and I don't think, I, I think you can keep him now. It's not going to change anything. Uh, so may as well change him, bring someone who can, I don't know, maybe an bring... avoid relegation special. Would you go for an avoid short term avoid relegation specialist? Shandaish every day right now. Sam Allardyce? No. Or Sean, you, no, no. Shandaish is there, available. Go and get Shandaish. You serious? And, yeah. I mean, I think you need something like that. You need, it doesn't matter. You need something completely different than what you had before. You're not going to go and get a someone with a, like a deserve for example right now I don't think that would work okay but what if Sean Dice comes to you and says okay I'm not, I'm not going to try to copy his voice but uh, what if he comes in and he says alright I want a two and a half year deal to show that you know you're serious about me because if you're talking Sean Dice for six months sure maybe uh, a long yeah I would not give more than 18 months that's whatever, for sure right but the thing is, look, I'm not having a go what he did at Burnley with very limited resources. That's fine. But that football only gets you to a certain level with Burnley. You're not going no. to go and get into Europe playing that kind of football, well, even if you have very good players. Yeah, yeah. What? They did once, but still. What, 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 what kind of Europa League nonsense? Yeah, yeah, but still. Like, in the Europe, the they traveled and you're they got knocked out very quickly in the qualifiers. Yeah, right? I don't think Everton, say, if you went to Everton fans and said, hey, do you want to have the kind of success Burnley had when they were in Europe? They would say no. They only want to stay up right now. Can exactly. you keep them up? So that's could, could you keep them up? I, I, I think it's more likely than not, even if Lampard stays, that Everton are staying up. I, I truly believe that. You think Lampard could stay could keep them There's up? There's so many teams down there, the, it's Lamp- so tight. But but what I'm saying is if you're gonna bring in Sean Dice, fine. But I think you need to have a hard line and say, Sean, you get the team for six months and then we have a conversation in the summer. Do you want yeah. this job or not? Do you want this job or and not? And he would he would and, accept it. If he accepts it on those terms, he will. Fine. He will. Because, like I said, I don't think that kind of football can. No, can, but you that's can fine. Grow doing that. Right now, I think Everton fans would take any style of football, and that would be better than what they've seen this season yeah, so far. If because you commit, it's dreadful. If you commit to two and a half years of this, what's going yeah, to happen? No, no, of yeah, course, you can't do that. Right? Yeah, yeah. We agree. No, no, right. no, I know. I just think they're in a incredibly tricky situation. Anyway, Roma Bispezia two 0 Astami Abraham's fine run of form continues, but Gab. The talk is all about Nicolo Zaniolo. Is he going to leave? Really? Well, he has to be left out of this <gasps> game. Um, there's, uh, he's been linked to, uh, he's been linked to Tottenham. Yeah, where well, he, um, he could have gone in the summer. Uh, although, who knows who they're negotiating with there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been reported in Rome, although not confirmed here, that Spurs says, okay, fine, we'll, we'll take him on loan, but no obligation to buy or any of this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, to which Roma's point is, well, if we're going to let Zaniolo go, we want, we want to sell him uh, now, so that or at least have an obligation to buy, so that we can, so that we can book that revenue, which is obviously important for them because he did spend a lot of money last summer. Yeah, yeah, of course. Under Jose Mourinho, especially in wages, um, I don't. Mourinho afterward was coy. If you remember his relationship with Zaniolo's had yeah, kind of ups and downs. And downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's playing good cop with with Zaniolo. Also because Tammy Abraham and Paolo Dybala are playing really well. Uh, Dybala was fantastic again. So Zagnolo becomes you know, less important in the short term. In the long term, I think Zagnolo is a genuine talent who may or may not ever make it. But if he's fit, given what he can do, you know, know. you're going to kick yourself forever. Because <laughs> you the opinion is a bit mixed, right, over him. Some, some like us really like it, like, like a prodigy kind of player that you don't see very often. Yeah. And other things that too many injuries, maybe not the right attitudes, it, that kind of stuff. If these are your reasons for not liking Zagnolo, I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is people who go and question his technical ability or his athleticism or whatever else, because those are not in question. Yeah. You know, to paraphrase Daniel Moynihan, you're entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts. There's no question yeah. that Fid Zagnolo is a supremely, supremely gifted footballer, possibly the most talented footballer at Roma other than Paolo Dybala. There, there's no question yeah, about clearly, that, right? Clearly. And Mourinho said so, as, as, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. said as much himself. The question is, is he worth the other stuff that comes with it? The injuries, possibly attitude, where does he fit into yeah. the team? You know, those are valid questions. Yeah. Jules, how about an irrelevant statistic for old yes, times? Yes, please. Uh, my old buddy at the <laughs> Times, Bill Edgar, who loves doing this stuff. He loves numbers. He reports that Liverpool versus Chelsea on Saturday was the 50,000th 
top oh flight God. game played in England dating back to 1886, I think it was, was it Preston who won yeah. the first league title? Yeah, something like that. It's 50,000. I just have no frame of reference for this. Does this sound like a lot? So 50,000 in, what, 130-odd years, something like that? Yeah. A little bit less, yeah, a bit more. You, you, you know what puts us in context, right? We watch football for a living, right? Yeah. How many football matches do you think you've been to in England? Premier League, top flight yeah. matches. So you see some of the guys who follow the national team, the French national team with me, count how many games from the national team right. they've seen, like Vincent Duluc, for example, the great writer from L'Equipe, knows exactly he's on 300 and, well, or 400 and something. And I tried, I started, and then there's loads that I can't remember being there. They're like, I remember being there, like, I don't know. Do you know? I, I do not know. I'm going to hazard a guess that assuming you go to one or two games a week and you've been doing this stuff for, but you might be right around the 400 mark. Maybe, yeah. Maybe 500. 50,000. 50, we are but specs in this universe of English football. <laughs> oh my God. I'm really glad for this quickie. One of the best quickies we've ever had on this show. <laughs> Barcelona president Johan Laporta said in the uh, Apple TV documentary on the Super League that Gianni Infantino was open to the idea uh, of the Super League in exchange of the club supporting his new kind of club, World Cup format things. Are you surprised, Gav? Well, it's really not surprised that Jean Laporta said this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is something I've heard before. I'm not surprised. I mean, I know obviously UEFA, FIFA then issued that statement saying yeah. absolutely not, blah, blah, blah. But I also think Johnny Fantino is, is a realist. And, you know, if, the, if this is his attitude, if this is what the clubs wanted to do, you know, he would justify to himself saying, right, how can I make this work for football? Um, rather than simply saying no. It's also possible that, you know, when Laporta rings him up and says, hey, Johnny, we're doing this, you know, or, or Bartomeu more likely originally, yeah. um, Johnny would have said, okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be open-minded about it. He hangs up the phone and says, you know, what's this guy smoking, right? It's also, I mean, I, I generally don't know. What we do know, obviously, he's had direct contacts with the clubs when he had the World Leagues for him, um, and that's something UEFA didn't like. They thought it was yeah. a massive overreach. I think understandably. Uh, and we also know that he's not against Super Leagues a priori. I mean, he wants, he's setting one up in, in, in Africa, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, different landscape, different yeah. situation, different reality. I don't think the African Super League, by the way, is a bad idea or bad no. for football so or bad would, for African football. Work, yeah, it would work because it's a different continent. It's a different situation. Yeah. You know, uh, in Europe, of course, I think. You know my views on it yeah. and, uh, and and the way it all came to be. Paris Saint-Germain playing a few hours in the French Cup. Jules, two opposing players from Pays de Cassel. Pays de Cassel, that's Pays right. De Cassel, all right. Our big PSG yeah. fan. One of them is a member of an ultras group. This is the magic uh, of the French it Cup. Is. It is very much, Gab. They, they're over the moon that they play PSG. Uh, so when the draw was made, they're playing the sixth division. Uh, Pays de Cassel is uh, in the north of France, so not far from Calais, for example. And in 2018, they basically merged, I think, six different clubs from 12 villages or whatever it was to create this Pays de Cassel. Uh, and they still had to, they had to, play a game that was postponed to then the winner would face PSG. So they were over the moon. Well done to them. Uh, they're going to play in the long stadium. They're going to have 35,000 fans there. It's going to be an incredible um, occasion, really. And, and you're right. I mean, I think more than two of the players are big PSG fans. I, I, I want the guy who's a PSG ultra, like at the end, a PSG win, to go and celebrate with the traveling Paris Saint-Germain ultra. But I think he's, he works in a, in a like college. He's like, uh, you know, the guy who looks after the children kind of thing, you know, in a college. And people have asked him for photos that some of the students to sign autographs, which he's refusing to do. But it's an incredible <laughs> story, really. Um, to see Neymar and Mbappe, Messi is not in the squad, traveling squads, but it's gonna be it's gonna be great. The goalkeeper from Peter Castello already played when he was at Wascal, played against PSG and Ibra, and he said, "For me to play twice in my career <laughs> against PSG is like winning the lottery." So good luck to them. Let's hope they do well. Uh, but yeah, this is the magic of the cup, per se. Cristiano Ronaldo finally made his official debut for Al Nasser against Al Etifak. Gab, how did he look and how did he go? Okay, so 
confession, I didn't watch this game. But guess what? I didn't need to because there is somebody who, and this is the Cristiano Ronaldo effect, who made like a super cut. It's on uh, it's it's on YouTube. It's like three minutes of forty five seconds of basically every time Cristiano <laughs> is on screen. No, no, you see him in the tunnel. You yeah. see him adjusting his boots. You see his shots, his dribbles. He had one move in this game. It's worth you watching this That's because true. I know you just went to the you you, you were I just saw at the, the NBA yeah, game. I saw the you you saw the ankle yeah. breaker that he does. Yeah, yeah. He stops in the box. He does a little shimmy, and the defender falls over onto his backside. Uh, I don't know if it was Tisseron. Um, yeah, I think it might have been Tisseron. Well, Tisseron's a serious player. Yeah, he plays for Monaco. Player. This yeah, is not yeah, some, yeah. like, no, no, schlemiel, good, good player, as, yeah. uh, as they, they say in the old country. Um, he had a shot on target in the 90 minutes. Um, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I don't think we'll be providing regular Cristiano <laughs> updates unless he scores or does something or does something special. But tremendous reception, 25,000 on the ground, um, sold out, made noise beginning to end. And like I said, this this little Cristiano supercut, if you are a Cristiano loyalist, may well make your day. It's on YouTube. Find it. (laughs) All right, Jules, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back on Thursday. Thursday, of course. I I think we owe our... Sir, uh, our, our many fans out there, uh, at least a full week of Gab yes. and Jules, rather than Gab or Jules. Yes. Until then, uh, <laughs> love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/gabjewels. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/gabjewels.